The Madison Cooperative Development Coalition, or MCDC, is a project funded by the City of Madison and developed by the UW Center for Cooperatives. It aims to develop worker cooperatives in Madison as a way of providing equitable development, business, and job creation. Toward that end, the Madison Public Library is sponsoring Co-Ops 101, a series of talks to create public awareness of the opportunities available through the MCDC. Steve Herrick is the Co-Op Coordinator for the Madison Cooperative Development Coalition, and he joins us here in the studio. Welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. And uh, WRT listeners know Martin Alvarado is the host of Global Revolutions, which immediately follows this program. But in his day job, he works for Madison mm. Central Library. Welcome to a bit earlier in the day, Martin. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm glad the station has coffee, provided <laughs> by just coffee, too, which is a cooperative. There you go. Yeah, yeah well, let's talk some more about that in a second. So um, now remind us, uh, uh, Steve, if you can, of what the principles of cooperative uh, are. So a cooperative is an organization or a business that is owned and owned by its members and they benefit from its use in one form or another. There's actually quite a few different kinds of cooperatives and um, we find that a lot of times people are co-op members and don't even know it. So for example, if you belong to a credit union, you are a co-op member. That credit union belongs to you. Um, if you uh, are in GHC, if you are a member of REI, uh, if um, obviously the, the best known example probably here in Madison would be Willie Street Co-op. Lots and lots of people are members of Willie Street. Um, so cooperatives are all around us, and yet we kind of look past them. So this is an effort to give them, give worker co-ops in particular, more publicity. And, and let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you, a lot of what you <laughs> described are membership co-ops where, the, you know, there, anyone you know, can sort of be a member, but there's no right. expectation that you're necessarily working for the organization. But we're also talking here about worker-owned co-ops. That's and right. Can you explain that distinction? So a worker-owned co-op is a business place where the workers are the owners. So the places I mentioned like REI, GHC, Willie Street, um, the... Workers might be members, but not necessarily. Um, so in a worker co-op, they are. Um, the, the, what happens is it's, a, it's a, a business, like any other. Okay, So it has to make a profit. It has to exist and compete in the market and so forth and so on. But the decisions that guide the existence and growth of that business are made democratically by the workers themselves. So um, is there... Are these non-hierarchical organizations, or is there a hierarchy within that membership structure? Well, that's something that each co-op would have to decide on a case-by-case basis. Um, typically, there is a minimum level of hierarchy. So um, every co-op that I know of, um, I should say most of the co-ops I know of, have a board of directors, and that's actually part of the state law. Um, but what that means could look very different from one co-op to another. But... Um, if you, we have a really great uh, image of what an org chart looks like in um, a worker co-op. If you come to our co-op, so 101, and it's actually a circle. So the accountability is not um, a pyramid. The, 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 the structure is not a pyramid. It's a circle. So the accountability goes uh, from the workers. The workers elect the board of directors. The directors hire and oversee the managers. The managers then oversee the workers. Um, and it forms a closed circuit. Uh, but uh, as I make a point of telling people in our presentations, um, these titles are actually roles. Uh, the individuals involved might hold several of those titles, especially in a small organization. 
Now, Martin, tell us a little bit about the Co-op 101 programs uh, at the Madison Central Library. When do they happen and what information will they cover? So we've been doing a few programs as of uh, now. We've run going into our sixth iteration, which will be happening not this Tuesday, but Tuesday a week from tomorrow at the Goodman South Madison Library on Park Street at noon. And these have been talks where we have been working with uh, the Madison Cooperative Development Coalition and <coughs> UW Center for Co-ops to have... Uh, opportunities for people to know about worker co-ops, but also uh, if they're interested, putting a statement of interest and pursuing uh, their ideas and seeing and meeting with uh, Steve and Charity Schmidt, who uh, is also involved and has been there since the beginning at MCDC and coordinates the work. So it's been one of those where we as the library uh, have a little bit more reach than say the organizations and we try to help with the fact that we have more locations and we have relationships with the community. So how can we connect people that we see every day who may not consider a co-op as a business model just because they haven't heard about it or don't know that it's possible with M folks at MCDC to help them along that path. And who does these presentations? Uh, well, that's uh, MCDC staff does the presentations. I uh, chime in a little bit. I think it's interesting because um, sometimes we'll draw a group of people who are completely new to co-ops, people who have participated in co-ops. So rather than having just a lecture, there is that aspect to it. It becomes an, a conversation between who's in the room. So not only do we want to know people to know the information that's being given out, but we also want to know what sort of businesses people are thinking about or what brought them in because we want to have a dialogue much in the way that co-ops are, which is looking at the interests of the community and then trying to find a solution from the, the needs that are there and trying to do an economic enterprise that's responsible and responsive to the community. How well ha attended have they been? Well, I think it goes, uh, we've had some where we've had close to 25 people. We've had ones where we've had three people, but I think it's interesting with the ones that we have 25 people, we have a lot of contacts. We potentially reach out to a lot of people, but when the smaller ones, we have really the deep conversations with people. We can really go into detail. We can really uh, just, uh, talk to people and give a lot of attention. So it's interesting how you measure success by attendance, but I think uh, it's quality and quantity and sometimes there's inverse relationship. I think in both <laughs> terms, we get something in the community, get something and, positive and, out of it. And Steve, what kind of projects uh, have people been interested in developing? Oh, I should have bought my list. <laughs> um, so we've had over a dozen kinds of things, a dozen uh, projects that people have brought up um, that we're talking people with. And that includes three that actually we've already incorporated that are up and uh, looking for clients actively. So the first would be Common Good Bookkeeping, which um, is, as I say, as it's uh, right there in the name that they do bookkeeping. And they've got uh, six or seven members. I don't remember exactly. Um, they have uh, a growing client base. The second one is called Roots for Change, which is... Um, a group of, again, about six or seven, um, in this case, Latina women who specialize in maternal care and early childhood development. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our third is a home health care co-op called Soaring Independent. And they incorporated uh, the beginning of the year. I don't remember exactly. Um, they also have seven or eight people. Um, they are actively looking for clients. And then we've got several more that are in active development. So some of the ideas that we've talked with people about include a restaurant, um, an aquaculture uh, co-op, 
Gosh, I wish I had my list with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there are, there are a lot it's of a wide variety of them. I have yeah, a, a, a few thing here. So uh, the bar restaurant, which you mentioned, also yes. in aquaculture. And we had uh, at one of the Madison, yep. at the Co-ops 101, we had a person come in and talk about it and come up with this idea of urban farming and aquaculture. Right. Uh, so that's one in development. And then a couple others that I'll mention is co-hops, which is basically growing hops, which sometimes grow like a weed, mm-hmm. um, a sustainable energy storage. And these are all ideas that either Steve or members of the community have compiled. Right. Uh, also a software company, uh, mm-hmm. 3D printing, Fairbnb, which is, if you haven't heard about it, an alternative to Airbnb, where there's uh, not so much of a profit motive to corporatize and extract the wealth from your community, but in a way that's more responsible, but has a lot of the hmm. flexibility that an online platform has. So that's not a local one, but it's one where we see it as an alternative to uh, things that are coming. A commercial real estate co-op, a plastic co-op where you make something useful out of plastic, unbreakable glass co-op, uh, a marketing co-op, a childcare co-op. So. There's a number of different things that you can think about. Pretty, di- pretty diverse uh, set of economic enterprises there. Right. Any business can be run as a worker co-op. I mean, it's just that simple. It's a, it's a business model, but um, that's really, I mean, it has a lot of important implications, but at the, the base level, it's a really simple idea. The workers own and operate the business, and that's as much as it says about what the business might be. It could be anything. So let's talk a little bit about some of the specific uh, services uh, or programs that the MCDC provides. Um, you have some tech assistance and support programs and some grant and loan programs. Can you talk a little bit about those? Right. So Charity and I are the technical assistance side. So we do a lot of outreach. Um, the biggest single piece of our outreach is the Co-ops 101 program that we're talking about. Uh, the next one, again, will be a week from tomorrow at the South Madison Library at noon. Um, And we're talking about doing the following one, the August one, entirely in Spanish. So we want to do outreach to the Spanish-speaking community. Um, Charity has also done a number of presentations in... uh, She did one in Milwaukee. She's talked to a couple of different schools. Um, I was going to mention when Martine was talking about earlier um, sessions of Co-ops 101, we had people come down from Stevens Point for one. We had people come in from Milwaukee for one. So... Um, I feel like this is getting out there to the to the public. So and that's I'll, that's I'll, part of it. I'll mm-hmm. add one more. The office of the mayor of St. Paul, one of the people who's looking at economic development, contacted me through the library because we have a bigger profile sometimes on social media. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to connect uh, that person to Charity and Steve mm-hmm. to just get a, more of a dialogue because they're interested in pursuing similar opportunities. Minnesota has also a tradition of cooperativism. So That's true. And that's the one thing where when you have a cooperative, you're not in competition with other people. You're in a... In a relationship of cooperation and wanting other people to thrive too. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I've talked to uh, people. I had a phone call with uh, New York. I had another one with a group in Maryland. And actually I've got an email waiting for me when I get to my office uh, from Cincinnati. So people are, people are hearing about this. People want to learn and find out what they can do to kind of build on these ideas. Tell us about the grants and loan program. So the grants our city money that were that this money was allocated a couple of years back uh, by Mayor Soglin and it's continued on. Um, the grants are for up to ten thousand dollars for co-ops of, co-ops in development. So um, you have to present a proposal that talks about what you've done so far and what you will do with the money. And there are certain restrictions on what you're able to do with that ten thousand dollars. 
Mostly it is to pay for services. You can't um, pay salaries with it. You can't capitalize your co-op with it, but you can buy uh, the services of um, a marketer, a graphic designer, a lawyer, a bookkeeper, that sort of thing. And this is intended as sort of seed money to get it, to exactly. get it up and running. Exactly. So to get your cooperative uh, right. operational. That's right. And then if you need more than $10,000, if you have a more capital intensive idea, we also have money in the Madison Development uh, Corporation and they can give loans for up to $50,000. And uh, how are those loans repaid? Uh, <laughs> they are at favorable rates. Uh, the number is escaping me right now, but um, they're, they're very accessible compared to traditional loans. And um, now you mentioned that when this program was first uh, started that you had um, <clears throat> about, uh, what, $5 million? Was that right originally? That was the assigned? original figure. But it's been scaled back since then. It has. Then. It's been scaled, scaled back two different times now. Um, but we are continuing ahead with the work. We're not slowing down. And with a new administration in the city, uh, do you know how uh, the new mayor, Southie Rhodes Conway, uh, views your, this program? Is it not in detail? But I know that um, I know that she is friendly towards co-ops in general. So I don't know the details of how the budget may be changing under her administration. But uh, I'm hoping it won't change any further. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps for the better. Maybe for the better. Yeah. That would be great. So lately, uh, we've seen some existing Madison cooperatives that have been around for a long time. They've started to, we've seen some of them struggle with some changes in the economic landscape. Uh, Union Cab, like other taxi services, is facing some steep competition yes. from ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft. Uh, we have Nature's Bakery, which recently announced it's no longer going to be producing bread. It's going to focus on its granola lines. Do Obviously, any business is going to run into these sorts of changes in the marketplace. Do co-ops have particular advantages or disadvantages in trying to respond to these kinds of business shifts? They do. They do. Um, again, as I said earlier, co-ops do exist in the market, so you're going to have some struggles uh, from time to time. You know, business waxes and wanes. Um, so here's a great example of the co-op advantage. Um, Isthmus Engineering, uh, about 10 years ago, with the big economic downturn, the Great Recession, as we were calling it at the time, um, the way that they responded was they took um, kind of rolling layoffs or just uh, reductions in hours. And so they really scaled back, but nobody was permanently laid off. So they still had their full membership, even through all the troubles that they had, whereas their competition laid off people left and right. And when the economy improved again, what happened was everybody at Isthmus just went back to their normal hours and, you know, hit the ground running. The competition had to go through the hiring process all over again. It took them a long time. And what's happened for Isthmus is that they've had several years of record-breaking revenue. One of the, I think one of the criticisms of co-ops is that because they do everything democratically, mm -hmm. that they may not be able to respond fast enough. Uh, because democracy, as we know, often... You know, it's a messy process and mm -hmm. often doesn't move very quickly. Is that is that a legitimate critique? It can be. It doesn't have to be. There are times when things can move slowly. Um, I can uh, attest to that from my own personal experience in my own co-op. Things can move slowly at times. But And, and what co-op do you work for? Well, I started the Interpreters Co-op with Martine. Yeah, that was a while ago. I'm not currently part of it. Nope. But I, I spent, first we were a collective for a while and then Steve helped push us along to formally incorporate. Yep. Uh, we'll be 10 years old in October. Oh, great. Congratulations. Thanks. So um, back to your question. Yes, things can move slowly, but I also think that um, with a democratic process, if you 
learn to adapt and kind of anticipate changes, then you can learn to move very quickly. And what do you think the potential for cooperatives in Madison uh, are, you know, especially worker-owned cooperatives? Could we see them become a dominant portion of the Madison economy? And are there models out there, you know, of other communities that have done that well? (laughs) I would love to see that. (laughs) Uh, Yes, there are definitely examples that we look to of communities that are very heavily uh, dominated by cooperatives. The number one example, of course, is Mondragon in Spain. They, if you take all the Mondragon cooperatives as a whole, they're the largest worker co-op community in the, in the entire world by a pretty wide margin. Um, and then the other example, one of the other examples that we look to is Emilia Romagna in Italy. They're not as well known. They're not quite as big. They're a little more dispersed, but they um, also have a very dense concentration of worker co-ops. Um, I believe it's somewhere on the order of like a third of the businesses in the region are worker co-ops. So um, both of these examples have done a really nice job um, creating supply chains that are built out of cooperatives. And that's the one thing that I feel like we're missing here in Madison. That's one of the the crucial pieces um, that will really get this to become self-sustaining is when the co-ops buy from each other on a regular basis. Right now, Madison has the highest number of co-ops in the country per capita, worker co-ops, mm. per capita, not in absolute terms, but in per capita terms. But the problem, one of the problems that I see, one of the kind of obstacles to further growth is the fact that we don't really do business with each other. Because we're in such disparate sectors of the economy, which is nice, it kind of shows that what co-ops can do, but it doesn't tie them together very well. So, so right, you have groceries or coffee or engineering or taxis may not right. have any anything to do with each other. That's right. right. They don't buy services or goods from each other on any sort of consistent basis. So I myself drink a lot of just coffee, <laughs> but that's not a supply chain. That's retail. You know, we need more supply chains in this in this in the city and also in the the wider region. I think. So uh, remind us, Martin, the uh, Co-op 101 program. Uh, when's the next one? Where does um, it occur? It is, and, and then we've got one coming up in Spanish, you said, too. Right? Yeah, well, the next one is happening this, uh, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. It's going to be the 16th of July <coughs> over at the Goodman South Madison Library. So that's at uh, 2222 South Park Street. Uh, it's going to start at noon. There's going to be a light light lunch provided uh, from Willie Street Co-op. There's also, if people are interested in child care, they can give me a call at the Central Library at 608-266-6350 and do it uh, today and tomorrow uh, because uh, it, the posters have been up. And uh, But uh, right now I'm making the announcement two days before we're able to uh, make sure we get child care. So if you're interested in attending, do give me a call at 608-266-6350 and I'll get back to you and we'll figure something out. And so that's happening. Uh, there'll be interpretation into Spanish. So if you know someone who's Spanish speaker, there will be interpreters from the interpreters co-op interpreting. <laughs> um, but then one of the other Speaking things, of that supply chain. I wanted right, to yeah. tell <laughs> listeners that WRT is a worker co-op. There might not be exchange of money because it's a volunteer organization. But when you think about it, we have about 300 plus members with voting rights who then elect the board of directors who then hire the staff at the at the station and the staff then oversees the volunteers, but there's that circle that Steve was talking about and there is a form of democratic control. And so I think I always put WRT as a worker co-op. 
Very good. All right. Uh, we've been speaking with Steve Herrick from the Madison Cooperative Development Coalition and Martin Alvarado from the Madison Public Library. Thanks so much for joining us. On hey, the thanks for Plus. having us, Brian. It's been great. Thank you very much.